Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning, Juliet. First, some of you got the memo to channel the flannel. Thanks for those of you who are flannel today. Uh, you guys are looking great. Um, good job. Uh, by the way, uh, thanks again. I know some of you uh, braved five, six inches of snow um, through your streets to get here, and you were digging out since early this morning. And so thank you for your effort. Um, man, like I always tell you, you're going to have an extra jewel in your crown when you get to the kingdom of heaven. Um, but, but seriously, thank you for, for making this a priority uh, and being here this morning. I think you're going to enjoy today. Uh, we have an important talk today. In fact, if you're new here, um, I don't know if you're new here, but if you're new here or haven't been with us over the last few months, a uh, few weeks, we've been talking about how to engage the good and beautiful life. The good and beautiful life. So we've been addressing the mess over the last few weeks about, man, we, our lives are messy. They are pretty ugly. And so we've been trying to address some of the things that you and I struggle with. Uh, recently we tar- talked about learning how to live without lying. We also talked about how to learn without anger. And today we're going to talk about something that many of us struggle with, that many of us struggle with, and when we talk about this very thing, you're going to walk out of here and say, I'm not, I just don't want anything to do with that. Often we, we know what we're supposed to do, we just don't do what we know we're supposed to do because it's too hard for us. And so let me just say this, our goal is not to make this feel like an insurmountable task to you today. Our goal is actually to help you today, to walk out of you here and you feel like, yes, yes, I've got it. I've got some hope for today to help change the world. So would you pray for me today? We are talking about learning how to bless those who bother us. Learning how to bless those who bother us. Let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for this day. Uh, may everything we do up here this morning honor you. May it bring you glory. And we pray that your good news, which has met us face to face, encourages us to live the good, good and beautiful life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I was a young kid. It was a Wednesday night. Uh, we had Wednesday night programming at my church, just like we do here uh, for Kids U. And it was during the summer, and so we would start out uh, at the park. We'd start out at the playground outside. And I can remember there was always this one kid. And like I always like to say, there's one in every group. And if you can't figure out who that person is, the good chance that's probably you, right? So, but there was that one kid, and, and he was extremely disruptive, and he was always picking on people, and he was always picking fights with people. In fact, he was picking fights with people who couldn't even defend themselves. And I noticed that this was kind of a, a, a typical pattern and behavior, just extremely disruptive. That, that I didn't care about. What bothered me was that he was picking on people and picking fights with people. And so uh, my dad dropped me off. We were in the station wagon, the, the station wagon I've told you so many stories about. And I'm sitting there in the back, and I said, Dad, listen, there's this one kid. Like, and the doctors just don't know that he has ADD or ADHD. They just, they just say he's being a kid. But listen, this kid's picking on everybody. In fact, he's picking fights with people. What would you recommend I do? Now, if you've been a parent for just a minute, just two minutes, five minutes, maybe five years or 15 years, whatever it's been for you, you've been asked this question. 
by your child. And if you're a parent and your kids aren't at that age yet, guess what? You'll be asked this question. What do I do when people pick on me? And let me tell you, when your kid comes home with a big old bruise on their face, or they say they've been kicked somewhere that you don't, you wouldn't want to be kicked, or they shouldn't be kicked, uh, you get pretty upset and irate. In fact, you would probably say something like this. Uh, if you're like me, you would say, you bring that little booger home and I'm going to show him who's boss. Or actually, I'll just say, I'm going to destroy that little kid. Yeah, you better hope they don't run into me. Maybe you said that. My dad didn't say that, thank God. He's a very calm man, very reasonable man. And I think that he gave me a very reasonable answer at this age. He said to me, he said, listen, I'm not encouraging you to get in a fight or to pick a fight, but I would say that you have a right to protect yourself. You have the right to protect yourself. Now, I'm not advocating that you fight, but if it ends up that way, so be it. And of course, you can only imagine, that was the license. The license to pick a fight. And I, sure enough, we got in a fight that night. It was pretty cool. And bottom line is this, is that's normal for most of us. Right, through the ages of the world and throughout the centuries and growing up as kids, we've been taught the golden rule is this. If somebody hits you, you hit them harder. If somebody hits you, you hit them harder. And what, what gets me is we wonder why the world is the way it is when we follow the golden rule. Here's just a little insight. Uh, this is a free one. This is kind of where we're heading today. But I just wanted to say this. If you want insight into your own personal life, just look at the weaknesses of the world. If you want insight into your personal life, just look at the weaknesses of the world around us. See, what's funny is it's easier for us, for us to point out what's wrong with the world than it is for us to point out what's wrong in our own lives. But little did you know that the world is just a grand cosmic reflection of you. See, we, we, we get all scared and afraid and we talk about this nuclear arms race with North Korea. And, and I get that that's scary and on a global scale that's scary. But individually, you know what that's about? Power. We think about poverty and we know that poverty is, is, is something that plagues our globe. People go hungry and thirsty and they go without shelter. And you've heard people say, well, they're just lazy or they're addicted or they don't work hard. But you know what at the root of poverty is? Is this. It's greed. It's individual greed. You talk about racism or discrimination. You talk about inequality. You know what's interesting about that? At the individual level, that's about somebody feeling superior to somebody else. That's what it's about. And I think what's so interesting is that we can easily point out what's wrong with the world, but yet we don't want to point out what's wrong with us. And as I said earlier, the world is just a grand reflection of you. And, and so today, uh, Jesus does something really amazing. He does what many of us like don't see coming. And he takes something that's, that's, that's culturally relevant to the people of this day, that's a cultural norm to them, and he connects that, and he says, here's what's wrong with the world, but let me just say this, this is actually what's wrong with you. There's something deeper inside that's going on with inside of you, and here's the problem. Here's the issue. Here's the tension. I know you've been said, somebody hits you hard, or you hit him back. 
So let's address this issue. And he says, listen to this. He says, you've heard it said. We've been doing this repetition over the last few weeks. Your mom says, your dad says, your brother says, right? You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And instinctively, we get this. The other day I was backing out of the garage. My two sons were in the back seat. I'm backing out, looking in the mirrors, trying to figure out where I'm going. And one of my sons poses this question. He says, hey, Dad, what if a robber came into our house? And I'm thinking, okay, that's a random question. And before I could answer, because I'm backing out, I'm looking in my mirrors, trying to pay attention and entertain a conversation about a robber coming into our house. One of them says, oh, yeah, I'd slam the door in his face. And then the other one says, no, 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 I'd punch him in the face. He said, oh, yeah, well, while you're punching him in the face, I'd kick him in the not, not so mentionable in church. And I'm like, where did this come from? Where did this conversation come from? I mean, who taught them this? We've never talked about this. I don't know. Where did they learn this? And what's interesting is you begin to see what they learn at school and what they learn around them actually is part of their life. And they begin to, begin to reflect this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality. In other words, you do this to me, I'm going to do that for you. You do this to me, and I'm going to do that for you. And, and what's interesting about the eye for an eye and tooth for tooth is we would just perceive it as getting even. I'm actually not doing something more to them. I'm just doing what they did to me. And it's actually not about getting even. What it is, is it's about gaining the edge over somebody. Think about this. Somebody does something to you, you do it back to them. While it may have been the exact same thing, you were the last one to respond, which is a nice way of saying, I've gained the edge over you, I've won the fight. Parents with teenagers, you know this. I can remember my sister and my mom would fight every once in a while, and and and. That's an understatement. But they would fight every once in a while, and it would go back and forth and back and forth. And my mom would make a final statement, and then she would walk out of my sister's room. And as she's walking out, my sister would say something. And then my mom would go right back into that room, and they would begin fighting again. And my mom would say something, and then she'd walk out, and my, mom, my sister would say something again. And you know how the conversation ends. My mom would go in and say, why do you have to have the last say? Because she wanted to win. She wanted to gain the edge. She knew if she had that last comment or that last statement, it would just eat my mom. It would egg her on. And see, that's how we view life, right? Some of, some of us view our life like it's an MMA fight. I've not been a pastor very long, but uh, throughout the ages that I've been a pastor, um, that was a joke. Uh, in the couple years that I've been a pastor, what has been so interesting to me is the people who will come to, to me and say this. You don't know what she did to me. Or you don't know what, what they're like to live with. Or you didn't see that Facebook post that they said about me or that fake Facebook account that they created about me. I mean, you didn't see this. Or you weren't there when I had that conversation with my family member and it didn't go so well. And, and what, what's so painful about that is we view it like this MMA fight, and it's all about in the world where we become exposed and we, we feel fragile. We feel like we have to gain control over the situation. We just have to gain control. And Jesus resonates with this. 
He understands this. And that's why he's actually talking to the people. And he says, I love this. He says to him, he says, I understand where you're coming from. I'm human. I, I get the need to fight back. In fact, you have been a nation who has been enslaved throughout their entire life. You've been a nation who has had the empire's boot upon your neck. People have taken from you. They've stolen from you what was rightfully yours. And if anybody has the right to fight back, if anybody has the right to gain the edge, he says, I get it. I get it, my community, my people, who I love very much. You have the right to have an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You have the right to gain the edge. But Jesus knows that the world is only as good as the individuals inside of it. And so tucked at, at, at the very beginning of this talk, he tucks this sentence in here that, that we're going to discover in just a second. But it's almost as if Jesus is saying, I, I want you to lean in for just a second. Because if one person, one person takes this challenge on, the world would be changed. Just one. It only takes one person to change the world. See, again, we often think that the world's this grand big thing out there that it has nothing to do with us, but it actually has everything to do with you. And Jesus says, if you can get this one thing right, this one thing right, it could change the trajectory of the world. And he says, but I tell you. Yeah, I know what your mom said. I know what your ancestor said. I know the commands that have been given to you over the years. I know what has been passed down to you. You have heard it said. But let me tell you, it's not working for you. So I'm going to tell you, do not resist an evil person. Do not resist an evil person. And they're saying, you mean to tell me that all the years of wisdom that have been passed down to us what our mother and our community and our people have taught us, you're saying that's not working anymore? And Jesus says, yep. And let me tell you why. An eye for an eye only kills the eye. Now, I know that's not grammatically correct, but I don't care. I had to make a statement that you could remember. And that's this, that the eye for an eye only kills the eye. The why behind what Jesus is saying is that the eye for an eye only kills the eye. And you know how I know that? Because Jesus says, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now, if you were paying attention last week and you're smart enough to remember what happened last week, we actually discovered this word evil at the end of the message. And often we think an evil person is actually Satan or the devil. We perceive him with horns and fire shooting out of the mouth. In fact, maybe some of you have relationships with people like that. They, they just look like the devil to you. But it's interesting to me that the word Jesus uses, ponero, actually doesn't mean Satan. It literally means to cause labor, to be weighed down by, to cause pain and suffering, to diminish to demise, to disease, and to cause death. That's what an evil person does. And Jesus says, an eye for an eye only kills an eye. It only kills you. It only kills me. And here's why. 
When you decide that the person that's offended you, the person that's bothered you, the person that's hurt you in life, you decide, I'm going to get back. I'm going to do the eye for eye kind of thing. I'm going to gain the edge. Jesus says, you are jumping on a sinking ship. Things that cause labor, things that cause toil and suffering and pain only bring you down. And as long as you participate in the game, the eye for the eye, you will only kill yourself. Is that what you want? No, better question, Jesus says, is that what I've called you to? You see, don't you remember? Like at the very beginning of time, I called you and I said, you are a special kind of people. I have marked you and I've made you and I've created you for a specific reason and purpose in the world. And while you have been told it's an eye for an eye, I'm telling you, that's not working for you. That will not change the world. The one who changes the world is not the one who lives by that very idea. So Jesus kind of invokes them. I love this. He knows that they're struggling with something. He knows that it's a deeper issue. In order to go forward, we say this often, in order to go forward, we have to go back. We have to go back, and we have to address the mess. We have to address the issue. And listen to what Jesus says. We can't see it, but this is what Jesus says. He says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you, here he goes, If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and they want to take your coat or your cloak or your shirt, hand the coat over as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, I need you to go two miles. And if anybody wants to borrow from you, do not turn them away. See, Jesus says, listen, before I tell you what I need you to know next... Come on, bring it to me. Right, because I get it. Like, like you were brought out in front of the courtyards, in front of all the people as slaves, and you were slapped on your cheek, and you were humiliated in front of people. Right, I get it that, that currently you're paying 90% in taxes to the, to the Roman Empire and to all the governments that rule over you, and you've lost your farm, you've lost your house, you lost your family, you don't even have food to feed your family, and the only thing left is your coat. And they're trying to take that from you too. Right, I get it that you have been asked by some government to carry military weapons for them for over a mile. And who carries equipment? What carries equipment? That's right, animals. And you have been viewed as subhuman. He's taken them back through their history. He's taken them back through a world that they've experienced that feels somewhat distant, and yet they think they have nothing to do with. And he says... It starts with you. It starts with you. And you can hear them, right? They're like, Jesus, this is really painful. In fact, we're angry about the history that we've experienced over time. I think God said that we were called to be a blessing to the world, that we were marked out and we were a special kind of people. And yet, yeah, that's right. We've been slapped. We've been sued. We've been taken to court. We've been hurt. Yeah, like, Come on, is that really God's plan for us? We've not been a blessing. In fact, we've just been beaten by the world. We've just been demolished. 
And you can hear the anger. You can hear the frustration. And it's almost like they're in Alcoholics Anonymous or they're in some kind of self-help group. And they begin to say, this is what's wrong. It's a major confession for them. Yes. All along, this need to gain the edge has been our problem. And Jesus says, are you ready now? Now that we've pulled that out, are you ready? Come on, here we go. He says, you've heard that it said, I love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love and pray for those. Love and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children, you may be children of Father in heaven. He goes on to say, if you love those who love you, what reward is that? Don't even tax collectors do those kind of things? And if you, are great, uh, if you only greet uh, people that you know, what are you doing more than others? And I love this last statement. He says, don't even pagans, pagans do that. Now, if you're like me, you love the word pagan, and here's why. Because it's in Vikings, and anything in Vikings has to be good. Um, in fact, I love the scenes. The English nation, who's supposed to be the Christian nation, going around conquering everybody, rolls into Scandinavia, and I love it. It's like this insult. They say, you pagans, and they spit at them when they say it. You pagans. Like, it's this derogatory word. And um, I love that scene. Good scene. Uh, pagans. Ah. But, but Jesus, this word pagans Jesus uses actually refers to people. Just people. But, but it, it's interesting. It's people with no particular marking. You see, there's nothing peculiar about them. It doesn't seem like they have a purpose in life. It doesn't look like they've been called for something special and specific. They have no marking. They're just an ordinary kind of people. They're pagans. And Jesus says, I don't know if you know this, but ordinary people aren't the founders of amazing movements. Ordinary people aren't the ones who change the world. They just allow the world to change them. And so as long as you continue to live the eye for an eye, you will only kill the eye and you will only live an ordinary life. So Jesus says, come on. I dare you to do something nobody else is doing around you. I dare you to pray. I dare you to love those who persecute you. We'll just put in bother you. That is a persecution in itself. Jesus' reference to love is so interesting. He doesn't actually, doesn't actually uh, seem to imply that we are supposed to feel love for somebody. We're just to act in love towards somebody. See, you don't necessarily have to feel love for somebody in order to act in love towards somebody. See, this is why marriages fail. I don't know if you know this, uh, but marriages fail because when we lose the feeling for, we stop acting toward. This is why your relationships with your parents or parents with your kids or, or relationships with your friends seem to, to just kind of fade over time. Because as long as we don't feel for, we stop acting toward. And Jesus says, that's what ordinary people do. Ordinary people just stop doing something altogether. That's it. 
They just stop. But extraordinary people, extraordinary people push through their feelings and they love people. They act toward even when they don't feel for. And so he says, I dare you. I dare you to love and to pray for those who bother you. And Jesus' dare is this. I dare you to be extraordinary. I dare you to be extraordinary. You want to complain about the world? You want to talk about the weaknesses of everything that goes on around you? You want to point your finger outward? Jesus says, come on. It starts here. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with one. And if one of you decides to do it, it'll be so infectious that it will just gain momentum. And this is how a first century movement was started. Rather than retaliating eye for an eye and tooth for tooth, there were people who died out of love for others, for their faith, and for Jesus, and for God. And they lived extraordinary, extraordinary lives. You know, it's funny, as Jesus says at the end of this, he says, be perfect as I am perfect. Or in other words, be mature. You see, it only takes an ordinary person to fire back a Facebook post. It only takes an ordinary person to write a nasty text to somebody. It only takes an ordinary person to, to just go off on the person that's hurt you. Or even to be passive, aggressive, and pretend like it doesn't bother me, and yet you ignore, 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 and don't even act in love. That's what ordinary people do. Ordinary people play the eye for the eye, and I'm here to tell you, eye for an eye only kills the eye. So Jesus says, listen, you do this, you love and pray for people, you dare to be extraordinary, let me show you how. And he says, I'm calling you back, I'm calling you back to the original marking, the original purpose, which is to be a blessing. See, I'm, aren't you glad we worked through all those anger issues and all those problems? Because now I'm calling you, I'm calling you to be a blessing. To be a blessing to those who bother you not just to those who you love. I'm going to have a moment of authenticity, a um, moment of confession as your pastor. Um, there are times as pastors, uh, I, have, I have a week or two out of the year. It's one or two, and I've, I think last week was the week. Um, as pastors, people come to you with their problems and their issues and um, and that's great. Uh, I love that. That's what I love. That's, I love doing that. And it's part of my, my role as a pastor and coaching and mentoring and helping people. I love it when they come and talk to me. In fact, I'm thankful that you would even entrust me with those issues. But there are times when I am selfish. I'll have to admit it. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you're constantly asking people, how are you? How are you? How are you? And nobody says, hey, pastor, how are you? And again, it's not every week. It's just maybe one week out of the year. And, and all of a sudden, you start to feel sorry for yourself. Nobody cares about you. Nobody appreciates you. And, and you know what happens? 
Over time, uh, that begins to fester in your soul, and there's this resentment that builds up. And you know what? It bothers me. It bothers me. And when I get bothered, I just want to not see your face or anybody else's face. I just want to, I just want to go in my little cocoon of happiness and find some joy. And I was driving down to uh, Pastors on Purpose where we get training and and, and I'm introducing pastors on purpose, so I have to come up with something profound to say, and I wasn't feeling it. I just wanted to say, life sucks, right? You can't say that when you're supposed to give pastors hope. <laughs> and I was driving down, and it was almost, it was almost, I, I don't claim to hear God's voice very often, but when I do, it feels very clear. And Jesus, it's almost like God just said to me, stop being bothered. You little selfish jerk. Stop being bothered. Learn to be a blessing. Man, that was so profound. I actually used that for those pastors that day. I mean, coming down, hey, you are a blessing to your people, to your community. Learn to be a blessing. I wrote it in my journal, and it's going to be my theme for 2018. Again, I don't know how to. I'm not necessarily good at it. I'm just learning I'm learning how to be a blessing, especially to people who bother me. Who are the people that bother you? Who, who just bugs you to no end? Would you join me on this journey to be a blessing? And I'm not saying that you know how or you know the answer. All I'm saying is you just need to learn how. And part of learning how is experimenting. You know, you just start throwing punches. You aim, you fire, and if you miss, you just aim another direction. You just keep going. And I would say learn to be a blessing to somebody who bothers you. So this week, I want you to do one thing. Now, for those of you who hear what we offer you to do and you just dismiss it, this is not helping your soul. This is not challenging you to live the good and beautiful life. Part of living the good and beautiful life is living what you've learned. And so I would just challenge you to do this. And, and again, we may feel like we're above it. We may feel like we're better than that. We may feel like we're ordinary. And as long as you feel like you're above it, it's just an eye for an eye. So here's what I want you to do. I want you this week to define who bugs you. I want you to define who bothers you. And not only that, I want you to define a competitor. Who is it that competes against you at work, at school, whatever it may be? Who is it that competes against you? Whether it's on the track, the cross-country field, whether it's in band, or whatever it may be. Who are you competing against? And this week, I want you to write their name down. And I want you to pray for them. And I know you're like, oh boy, great, I'll pray for them. But see, this is what Jesus keeps saying. No, 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 come on in. I dare you to do it. I dare you to do something extraordinary. Only extraordinary people will do that this week. Ordinary people will let this moment pass by and say, whatever. So I dare you to be extraordinary and pray for the success of your competitor. I'm praying for churches on our district that I don't necessarily like. 
moment of honesty there too. There are some churches and people I don't necessarily like, and I'm praying for them this week. So join me in that journey as we as a community dare to be extraordinary.